So Jesus just get the mic. Oh my God. Mike's a little loose. Get Chicken. your shit together. He take just got your here. shit and put it in a basket and take it somewhere. Just, you know, <laughs> take it somewhere. Just, just transport. And put it down. <laughs> you don't and walk away. Spit, just transport. I should have got more coffee. Jesus Christ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Literally Literary. With us, as always, is Mr. Sean I am Joey Bonnier, and here he is, the man with zero plan, Sean <laughs> O'Brien. He's always got a plan. I do always have a plan. Jesus. It's good, though. Yeah, I think so I reused that one, to be honest. That's yeah. fine. There's not that many, like, it also doesn't really, I think it's N. Your name? O'Brien. Mm. I'm pretty sure it not is, too. Ann. <laughs> so, Whatever. Plan? Poetic license. Plen? You don't say plen. I thought I'm allowed to do that. You can do anything you want, I'm just saying. I feel like Shakespeare did that. A man, a plan, a canal, Panama. Shakespeare definitely did that. So, if he can do it. Oh, he did a lot of stuff, though. Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> he, didn't exist. he made shit happen. Yeah, he didn't really he exist, didn't exist, did he? Oh, look at that's fun. Uh, yes, he very much existed. <laughs> yeah, he definitely very much existed. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. I am I am convinced. Apparently. It's silly. That's a silly argument. <laughs> I just like busy. <laughs> <laughs> if I actually believed that you didn't believe it, it'd be a different discussion, but I believe he existed as much as I believe Jesus exists. Ouch, that's gotta hurt, Sean. <laughs> OB. Um Shakespeare is Jesus? I, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm sure I'm willing to, I'm willing to, so Jesus existing as a human being is but, not out of the question. Like I, I'm, 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 oh, okay, no. I'm okay with believing that he did exist as a, as a human being. Okay. Yeah. I was just, uh, watching some Jim Carrey and, uh, he is arguing that none of us exist and nothing is real. And no, I mean, well, that's Sweet. also true, but that's stupid. <laughs> like him. It's not, he doesn't mean it that way. That's the worst part. He, all he means is that uh, he's, it's so stupid. Like people, he's, he's such a fucking amateur, like existentialist. It's so obnoxious. <laughs> uh, it's really dumb. Like he's just like, well, I was an existentialist before it was cool. It's not, no, it's he's not even, it's not even really true. Cause it's also like coupled with all this woo bullshit that he's sort of, t- I don't know. I'm tired of Jim Carrey and I love Jim Carrey. Uh, there, he recently did an interview on the Norm Macdonald show, which is like, God, a, that sounds like a <laughs> fucking nightmare. The oh, two of them. The Norm, Jesus. Norm Macdonald show is great. Um, but, uh, no, he was way more, uh, I, you know, everything that you're, the little snippets you're seeing in the news are definitely like, uh, hyperbolic. They are, uh, you know, him just kind of acting out. Yeah, more I so. get it. Um, yeah, we, I mean, he is definitely in line with that stuff. And when he sits down with, uh, Mr. Macdonald, they have a uh, a little bit more in-depth conversation about it. That makes me hate him more, that he's just putting on an act. Oh, That's not God. an act. It's just um, uh, exaggerated. He explains himself yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, it's just he, if He is still, uh, at least, I, I don't want to say sane, but has mental faculties about him no, that I'm are well cognizant. Aware. The funny thing is, is that I agree, even from this, I, so I yeah. don't, I haven't heard him delve into it. You know what I mean? And- and I'm, but I, even from the snippets, I largely I understand what he's saying, yeah. and I agree with him. Well, yeah, it's one on one. It's just yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. It's just a dumb thing, and he's it's it's literally like a fucking you know, like a sophomore in college being like, yo, you guys don't even know. Have you even fu- yo? I bet you guys don't even know what they're talking about when you see the Matrix. Like, we watch, <laughs> watch the Matrix. Like, that's us. That's really us. You're right. It's annoying. I know. Anyway, he's I, a millionaire. I have books. Do you have books? I have books. Jesus. Hey, Boner. Yeah. What's tomorrow? Friday. Friday what? 13th. October 6th. Is that a special day? No. Oh. Well, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have. What is it? Uh, 17 years ago today you became a man. <laughs> I have Cat, Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. Oh my God. I have Love, Power, and War, Journeys and Essays by Christopher Hitchens. Oh my goodness, what are you doing? I have Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns. Wow. My penis cannot get harder. What are you doing? <laughs> oh I have uh, John Adams by David McCullough. Holy shit. I have, so my dad actually bought me this, Worst President Ever by Robert Strauss. <laughs> and the picture on it, can you, who, who do you think this is? Is that Clinton? James Buchanan. Very good. Mr. Oh, I, well, I did, it does say it on there, but I knew. Oh. But it also kind of looks like Trump. 
It does. My dad bought this for me, and he like, he's like, here, I bought you a book. This is like a, you know, a year ago or so, a little bit more, I think. To me, that um, looks like uh, Clinton now. It was a sweet gesture. It was mostly because I had been watching the Civil War thing. Mm, yeah, it's, like, Burns. it's like Clinton melted a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, speaking of the Civil War, I don't. So the book you requested, a- Angels with Dirty Faces. <laughs> Angel with the Centerfold. <laughs> the Killer Angels. Killer Angels. I, don't, I, I couldn't find it at the bookstore. I went Jesus. today and I couldn't find it. They didn't Surprise. have it. What kind of bookstore are you frequenting, sir? The most hipstery of hipsters. Yeah, of I mean course. Iliad. They have the ba- the most oh, amount of things. No. Wasn't set up for a goddamn plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do have my Kindle, so I can get the sample, or, or I'll buy it. He for knows you, a sir. guy. You need a book. Or I he can get you a book. What's with the paper towel? Sorry, I have to ask. You have a paper towel on your Kindle. So my Kindle was face down for a long time, and I cook a lot of steak, and it sort of got a little sticky. So I just put paper towels down at some point, and it stuck to them, and I'm like, eh, there we go. And I figured what? it might be handy. You just left the paper towels on there when they got stuck on there. Yeah, that definitely doesn't seem like an O'Brien move. That's weird. I don't know. I just figured, I don't you, know, man. You strike me as more <laughs> meticulous than that, sir. The, believe it or not, that is, because otherwise, here, feel this. Yeah, that's gross. It's gross and sticky, right? Why don't you just yeah. clean it? Now feel this. It <laughs> feels like a paper towel. Yeah, is that which one is less egregious? Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> <It's totally>. What <laughs> Ugh, amateur hour it's over a texture, there? It's like it's, a, it's not cleanable. It's a everything cover. is cleanable. Okay, here, take this cover and clean it for me. He will do it. I will be. Mo- I know he will. <laughs> Chisel it off. That's why I'm <laughs> hey, Sean Fall. I also have The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Oh, man, F. Scott Fitzgerald. You're welcome, Mr. Boner. Thank you. Finally, you asked for Othello a while back, mm, so I wow. brought that. It's a great um, game. And and. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> What is that one? Othello? It's Thorough, not Othello. Othello. You've never played Othello? Oh, I thought you were doing a joke. No. It's a great game. It is a good game. <laughs> it's like Go, but for, you know, Black people? stupid people. Jesus. I'm just going to let it hang there. I'm huh? not going to talk. You're it's, just going to let it hang there. That's your fucking you, Nazism. You. You're, you're the you're the supremacist. I was going to call you room. a penis sucker, but mm. th- that implies that that's a bad thing to do. Yeah, man. You're on a roll. It's Thursday. Why not suck a dick? <laughs> you little bitch. Yeah. God damn it. That's three in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I win. don't know. Let me see. Who else can I marginalize? All right, Joey. Yeah. Uh, do you want to sample the, your Angels with Dirty Faces book? Yeah, if it's not too much of a... No, not at all. But to I, be honest, it's like you looked at my Facebook favorite books and picked all of them or something. I didn't look at anything. I just remembered everything <laughs> you, you said favorite since books. we met. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let me see if I can search Weirdo. this. <laughs> Angels with Dirty Faces. Man, can't we read about the worst president? I hope you're really not typing that or I hope this Othello. is all one big joke. I want to play Othello. We're going to be here. You're going to play Othello? Yeah. I always thought Stratego was the superior game. I don't. Under, I never played Stratego. Oh, yeah, that good. I always thought that was like guess who. No, it's way more, <laughs> way more, more strategy than that. Where's the plural, you fucker? Fallen angels. Come on. Now. Also, go is similar. Um, go is similar to Othello. I think. Yeah, go is. It's almost exactly the same. It's, it's just, just miniature. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. condensed version. Walter Dean Meyer board and like yeah, Walter re- Dean Miles. That's the one. Reflippable pieces rather than having a thousand pieces. You have half a thousand pieces. Uh, nerdy emission. I was in Go Club in high school. Wow. Sorry. That's worse than chess club. I was, in, far. Bo- I was in both. Jesus go club? Christ. You know how to play Go? Yeah, or I used to. I don't That'd know. be I, fun. Go's not hard. Yeah, it's just <laughs> flipping them. Nuts either. Well, you know. it is pretty hard. Well, it's, you know, uh, be good. Mi- yeah, minutes it's to that's learn, what I lifetime mean. to master. That is, uh, well, that's a, yeah, I, don't, I, I obviously, I don't mean playing the game. It's, it, yeah, that, that's just the definition of a good game, sir. Good game, good game, good game. <laughs> Hands all around. <laughs> We should do that more. Like every every office oh, should do that no. at the end of a day. We should do good pod. Good pod. Good pod. Good pod. Good pod. Good pod. <laughs> high five. Just the three of us like walking. No, we're not going to start high fiving in the fucking studio. <laughs> hey, Sean. <laughs> we can get air five. Don't let me hang in. Oh, yeah, my God. No, so Sean O'Brien is just, currently yeah, putting his hand in the air. Staring at me. And it yeah. doesn't look like it's going to happen. No. Come on. Come on. Hit me high. <laughs> He's not, Sean Faw <laughs> is very stubborn. He is hey. an Obi. Hey, Obi, Obi, Obi Wan spacecraft. Get it up there. Put it up. Hang 10, bro. Oh, wow. It happened. I made it happen. Yeah. Shame we didn't get a mic on that. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the awkward influence. <laughs> Fallen Angels by Walter Dean Myers. Praise for Walter Dean Myers' Fallen Angels. This is not the book I like. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The Killer Angels. Yeah. Fallen Angels is like. A, by Michael uh, Shara. Isn't that like one of the mud? Uh, Killer Angels? 
They may have had that then. <laughs> <laughs> I know they did. It's an extremely popular book. Killer. No, I think I looked at... Oh, I probably what, did. Which though. one's the Dan Brown book? Oh, uh, Angels and Demons. Angels with Dirty Faces. Angels with a Centerfold. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Killer Angels, bitch. Give me. Search, motherfucker. Jesus Christ. Well, it's still interesting. Oh, my God. Just read about the worst president. Oh, yeah. By the way, the only bachelor president... And the mm. only one from Pennsylvania, my home state. James Wasn't Buckingham? his, like, cousin the first lady or something like that? You know what? That might be true. I don't know. Uh, mm. I have to check that. But he's a weird dude. Uh, is he the one that... Uh, yeah, the uh, the rumors were that he's gay, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, any bachelor, but yeah. That's true of the time, yeah. I mean, if you were. they thought Lincoln was gay, so, yeah. That's, yeah, but, I mean, you know, Mary Todd was uh, not exactly a catch. Was so. Lincoln gay? <laughs> How dare you, sir? Or was he bi? <laughs> Um, I think he was just, you know, down to clown. <laughs> Jesus. That's oh, no, 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 no. tribute. I, I, I did look up. I think I, maybe I didn't. I don't know. I feel like I, I looked at your thing when I looked up the thing. So okay. no, but I think I looked for the letter M, the bookstore. That's not good pod. No, I'm not good pod. Good pod, um, bro. Good pod. No, go. I'm not this is not good pod. Read now. <laughs> uh, all right. Killer, the killer angels. By Michael Shara. Mm-hmm. Praise Is for this the about Angels. Aliens? <laughs> bunch of praise, bunch of praise, bunch yeah. of praise. The classic novel of the Civil War. Mm. Killer Angels is a historic is a work of historical fiction. Apart from huh? the well-known actual people, events, and locales that figure in the narrative, all names, characters, places, and incidents are the product of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to current events or locales or to living persons is entirely coincidental copyright 1974 it's historical fiction that's fun Mm -hmm. okay gettysburg well spoiler well i don't (laughs) (laughs) all right shall i read the table of contents or just go into it what what do you want um honestly that it starts off a little boring maps it starts off i think with this scout who's just kind of checking out the army so it's a forward yeah june 1863 well, we should get a little background. Go for it. Well, it seems like there's a thing beforehand to the reader. I don't want to read that. It's like it, it gives too much info. No, don't read that. Forward, June 1863. One, the armies. What? My, the Kindle died. See, books don't die. <laughs> <laughs> Literally right before I read it. <laughs> this digital shit, digital that is, garbage. That is fantastic. Fuck with that. that is the 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 most apropos thing mm-hmm. I could have asked to happen at that moment in time. Do you like the irony? Oh, okay, it's back to thick. back to the book. Oh, he's got like actual power. Fuck. <laughs> Forward, June eighteen sixty three. You just want to talk the whole One, time. The armies. Could at least read about the worst president on June fifteenth. The first troops of the Army of Northern Virginia, Robert E. Lee commanding, slip across the Potomac at Williamsport and begin the invasion of the North. It is an army of 70,000 men. They are rebels and volunteers. They are mostly unpaid and usually self-equipped. It is an army of remarkable unity, fighting for disunison, disunion, sorry. What about that union? It is Anglo-Saxon and Protestant. Though there are many men who cannot read or write, they all speak English. They share common customs and a common faith, and they have been consistently victorious against superior numbers. They have as solid a faith in their leader as any veteran army that ever marched. They move slowly north behind the Blue Ridge, using the mountains to screen their movements. Their main objective is to draw the Union Army out into the open where it can be destroyed. By the end of the month, they are closing on Harrisburg, having spread panic and rage and despair through the north. Late in June, the Army of the Potomac, ever slow to move, turns north at last to begin the great pursuit which will end at Gettysburg. It is a strange new kind of army, a polygot mass of vastly dissimilar men fighting for union. There are strange accents and strange religions and many who do not speak English at all. Nothing like this army has ever been seen upon the planet. It is a collection of men from many different places who have seen much defeat and many commanders. They are volunteers, last of the great volunteer armies, for the draft is beginning that summer in the north. For the draft is beginning that summer in the north. 
They have lost faith in their leaders, but not in themselves. They think this will be the last battle, and they are glad that it is to be fought on their own home ground. They come up from the south, 80,000 men, up the narrow roads that converge toward the Blue Mountains. The country through which they march is some of the most beautiful country in the Union. It is the third summer of the war. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it is the third summer of the war. I, th- I love this book because of many reasons, but one, let me just say this thing about the historical Do you fiction. love war? I don't love it. I, I <laughs> You're like, fascinated by it. That's fair. Um, I think you the, love it. the the book isn't really historical fiction. It's more dramatized history, where it, it's not like, oh my God, did the South win the Civil War? What happened? Blah blah. blah. No, it's it's actually pretty much what could have happened. It's just extra stuff added in to make it more flair and more dramatic. Uh, so I really appreciate that part of this. It kind of sticks to most of it. Two, on, in a separate point, I love the way they portray the Union Army in this book. Uh, everyone forgets about this Union Army. It is an amazing army uh, of, of, like you said, different religions and, and, and brigades. Like, but there's an Irish brigade and a German brigade, you know? It's just, it, it's an amazing thing. Um, and a lot of them really did, like you said, for the first two years of the war, volunteer to, yes, preserve the Union. But a lot of them really did understand what this was, what slavery was and that, that it was at stake. So I think it's an amazing thing in history. I'm sorry to get all mushy about it, but I think that, uh, yeah. Uh, I love this book for that. So wait, so the, the South, this, this book presupposes that the South wins? No. Oh, okay. I was, I was saying it's not that kind of book. Got it, okay. It's not a historical okay. fiction like that. Got it's it. a dramatized It sticks history. to the, yeah. It's it Pretty much, yes, exactly. It just adds some lines of dialogue and maybe a few different characters and blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, okay. So the fact that it adds dialogue makes it historical fiction? I guess I'm always It is historical torn. fiction. Okay. I'm just trying to, I don't want people thinking, oh, it's just some stupid like Confederates win the Civil War thing kind of. It's not that at all. But, it, but okay, but it's also not like, just the story of Gettysburg. No, it pretty much is. It's just told from many what different- What makes it fiction then, I because guess it's is my question. Because p- first person perspective. Like he's writing as he's Robert E. Lee, or he's writing as he's Jeb Stewart, or he's writing as he's, you know, Wynne Hancock or Lewis Armstead or whatever. Okay. So it's first person. Well, what well, would be a historical version of that then? What do you mean? Well, it still sounds like history to me. Well, it is. That's what I'm trying to say. My point is that it's more history than fiction, I guess. But well, what, what's the fictional part? Is just their thoughts? Mm-hmm. Their lines of dialogue. There's a few characters that are so a, a, amalgamated. Let's I think. just say a okay, but let's just say a history book version of this, right? W- they just would simply say this and this happened at this date. <laughs> it's okay. pretty dry. I mean, you now modern study of history is a little bit different, right? We do read scholarly articles and journals in you know, in, in college class. Like Team of Rivals, for example, is, you, a, is a history book. Yes, you would right? read that in class. Also, American Sphinx is typically one I had to read in history class. In God college. damn it, I should have bought that. That's right. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but those are considered history because they have citations, um, because they are specifically, they have primary and secondary sources. So. Sphinx was Jefferson, right? Lion <laughs> is Jackson? Yes. Got it. Okay. <laughs> that is interesting. Sorry. I know. I always forget because when I'm, I'm, I always see the two and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to get those. But I never remember which one is better and which one's which. Oh, the Jefferson one is infinitely. Okay. The, that's Sphinx. American Sphinx. Yes. That's Jefferson. Okay. Read that. Got it. Sphinx. <laughs> what was that? That's Adventure Brothers. Okay. <laughs> two. The men. Robert Edward Lee. He is in his 57th year, 5 feet 10 inches tall, but very short in the legs, so that when he rides a horse, he seems much taller. (laughs) Red-faced, like all the Lees, white-bearded, dressed in an old gray coat and a gray felt hat without insignia, so that he is mistaken sometimes for an elderly major of dignity. An honest man, a gentleman. He has no, quote, vices. He does not drink or smoke or gamble or chase women. He does not read novels or plays. He thinks they weaken the mind. He does not own slaves, nor believe in slavery, but he does not believe that the Negro, quote, in the present stage of his development, end quote, can be considered the equal of the white man. He is a man in control. He does not lose his temper, nor his faith. He never complains. He has been down that spring with the first assault of heart disease, which will eventually kill him. Fucking spoiler, Jesus. (laughs) He believes absolutely in God. He loves Virginia above all, the mystic dirt of home. He is the most beloved man in either arm. 
He marches knowing that a letter has been prepared by Jefferson Davis, a letter which offers peace. It is to be placed on the desk of Abram Lincoln, the day after Lee has destroyed the Army of the Potomac somewhere north of Washington. James Longstreet, Lieutenant General, 42, Lee's second-in-command, a large man, larger than Lee, full-bearded, blue eyes, ominous, slow-talking, crude. He is one of the first of the new soldiers, the cold-eyed men who have sensed the birth of the new war of machines. He has invented a trench and a theory of defensive warfare. Sorry, but in, but in that courtly company, few will listen. He is one of the few high officers in that army not from Virginia. That winter, in Richmond, three of his children have died within a week of, of a fever. Since that time, he has withdrawn, no longer joins his men for the poker games he once loved, for which he was famous. They called him Old Pete, and sometimes the Dutchman. His headquarters is always near Lee, and men remark upon the intimacy, and some are jealous of it. He has opposed the invasion of Pennsylvania, but once the army is committed, he no longer opposes. Yet he will speak his mind. He will always speak his mind. Lee calls him, with deep affection, my old war horse. Since the death of Stonewall Jackson, he has been Lee's right hand. He is a stubborn man. George Pickett. Major General, 42, gaudy and lovable, long-haired, perfumed. Last in his, class, in his class at West Point, he makes up for a lack of wisdom with a lusty exuberance. In love with a girl half his age, a schoolgirl from Lynchburg named LaSalle Corbell, Corbell, to whom he has vowed ne'er to touch liquor. Received his appointment to West Point through the good offices of Abraham Lincoln, a personal friend, and no one now can insult Abe Lincoln in Pickett's presence, although Lincoln is not only the enemy, but the absolute utterest enemy of all. On the march towards Gettysburg, toward Gettysburg, Pickett's Virginia division is by a trick of fate last in line. He worries constantly that he will miss the last great battle of the war. Richard Ewell, right? Mm-hmm. Richard Ewell. Lieutenant General, 46, egg-balled, one-legged, <laughs> recently married. He refers to his new wife absentmindedly as Mrs. Brown. Eccentric, brilliant, chosen out of all these officers to succeed out of all these offices, officers to succeed a portion of Stonewall Jackson's old command. But he has lost something along with the leg that a soldier sometimes loses with the big wounds. He approaches Gettysburg unsure of himself, in command of 20,000 men. Ambrose Powell Hill, Major General, 37, has risen to command the other part of Jackson's old corps. How is this better than Ken Burns? <laughs> A moody man, often competent, is my Ken Burns now. Bad-tempered, wealthy, aspires to a place in Richmond society, frets and broods and fights with superiors. He wears a red shirt into battle. He should be a fine soldier and sometimes is, but he is often ill for no apparent reason. He does not like to follow orders. At Gettysburg, he will command a corps, and he will be sick again. So just quickly, Ken yeah. Burns made his Civil War documentary in part because he read the book and was influenced by the book. The book came out in 74. Oh, this book? He read this book and was like, I'm going to make Civil War. Kind of. I mean, he, he quotes it as an influence. I don't know That's if it's the entire influence. That's Cray. Yeah. Is that Cray, Sean? It's apropos. Yeah, it makes sense. Louis Armistead. <laughs> Brigadier General 46, commander of one of George Pickett's brigades. They call him Lowe, which is short for Lothario, which is meant to be witty. For he is a shy and silent man, a widower. Descended from a marital family, a marshal, sorry, a marshal family, he is a fighter spirit, is known throughout the old army as the man who, while a cadet at the point, was suspended for hitting Jubal Early in the head with a, with a plate. By the way, Jubal Early, you remember Jubal Early before I mentioned him? The no. biggest proponent of the lost cause, the theory that, you know, the South really didn't shouldn't have lost the war and, blah, blah, and blamed you know, all these people and was really one of the original white supremacists and KKK guys. Oh, so during Reformation, he was, got it, okay. Yeah, he was, uh, and, but it was interesting Shit. is that Armistead, who's kind of the unsung hero of this book. Fred? Okay? <laughs> Lewis, the oh. guy he's just talking about, Lowe. Uh, was suspended for hitting Jewel early in the head with a plate. 
has developed over long years of service a deep affection for Winfield Scott Hancock, who fights now with the Union. Armstead looks forward to the reunion with Hancock, which will take place at Gettysburg. Richard Brick Garnett, Brigadier General 44, commands the second of Pickett's brigades, a dark-eyed, silent, tragic man, followed Jackson in command of the, Stonewall, of the old Stonewall Brigade. At Kernstown, he has made the mistake of withdrawing his men from an impossible position. Jackson is outraged, orders a court-martial, which never convenes. Jackson dies before Garnett, accused of cowardice, can clear his name and redeem his honor, the honor which no man who knows him has ever doubted. He comes to Gettysburg a tortured man, too ill to walk. He believes that Jackson deliberately lied. In that camp, there is nothing more important than honor. J.E.B. Stewart, also known as Jeb! Exclamation point. <laughs> Lieutenant General 30, the laughing banjo player, the superb leader of cavalry who has ridden rings around the Union Army. A fine soldier, whose reports are always accurate, but a man who loves to read about himself in the Richmond newspapers. His mission that the, his mission that month is to keep Lee informed of the movement of the Union Army. He fails. Jubilarly! Major General 46, commander of one of Ewell's division, a dark, cold, icy man, bitter, yeah, alone. Fuck that guy. Left the point to become a prosecuting attorney, to which he is well suited. A competent soldier, but a man who works with an eye to the future. A slippery man, a careful soldier. He will build his reputation whatever the cost. Dick Ewell defers to him. Longstreet despises him. Lee makes to do with the material at hand. Lee calls him, my bad old man. These men were blue. What does that mean, Joey? Now he's going to talk about the Union. Right. Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain. Colonel. 34. He prefers to be called Lawrence, a professor of rhetoric at Bowdoin University. Or Bowdoin. Bowdoin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bowdoin University. Professor of bullshit. Sometimes... How dare you, sir? <laughs> Sometimes professor of natural and it's revealed religion. Successor <laughs> to the chair of the famed Professor Stowe, husband to the Harriet Beecher. Tall and rather handsome, attractive to women, somewhat boyish, a clean and charming person, an excellent student. Can he be attractive to men, too? Phi Beta Kappa. He speaks seven languages and has a beautiful singing voice. But he has wanted all his life to be a soldier. The university will not free him for war, but in the summer of 1862, he requests a sabbatical for study in Europe. When it is granted, he proceeds not to France, but to the office of the governor of Maine, where he receives a commission in the 20th Regiment of Infantry. Maine volunteers and marches off to war with a vast faith in the Brotherhood of Man. Spends the long night at Fredericksburg, piling corpses in front of himself to shield him from bullets. Comes to Gettysburg with that hard fragment of the regiment which has survived. One week before the battle, he is given command of the regiment. His younger brother, Thomas, becomes his aide. Thomas, too, has yearned to be a soldier. The wishes of both men are to be granted on the dark rear slope of a small rocky hill called Little Round Top. John Buford, Major General, 37, Shanfa, a cavalry soldier, restless and caged in the tamed and political East who loves the great plains and the memory of snow. A man with an eye for the good ground, already badly wounded and not long to live, weary of stupidity and politics and bloody military greed. At Thoroughfare Gap, he held against Longstreet for six hours, waiting for help that never came. Too good an officer for his own advancement, he rides a desk in Washington until luck puts him back in the field, where he is given two brigades of cavalry and told to trail Lee's army. He is first into, into Gettysburg, where he lifts up his eyes to the hills. He is a man who knows the value of ground. John Reynolds Major General, 42, perhaps the finest soldier in the Union Army, likely before him, a former commander of West Point, a courteous man, military, a marvelous horseman, another gentleman. His home is not far from Gettysburg. He has fallen in love late in life, but the girl is Catholic and Reynolds has not yet told his Protestant family, but he wears his ring on a chain around his neck under his uniform. Early that month, he is called to Washington, where he is offered command of the army. But he has seen the military results of maneuvering by armchair commanders Halleck and Stanton. And he insists that the army cannot be commanded from Washington, 
that he cannot accept command without a free hand. He therefore respectfully declines. The honor passes to George Meade, who is not even given the option but ordered to command. And thus, it is John Reynolds, not Meade, who rides into Gettysburg on the morning of the first day. George Gordon Meade, Major General, 47, vain and bad-tempered, balding, full of self-pity. He takes command of the army on Sunday, June 28th, two days before the battle. He wishes to hold a grand review, but there turns out not to be time. He plans a line of defense along Pipe Creek, uh, far from Gettysburg, in the unreal hope that Lee will attack him on the ground of his own choosing. No decision he makes at Gettysburg will be decisive, except perhaps the last. Winfield Scott Hancock, Major General, 39. Armistead's old friend, a magnetic man with a beautiful wife, a painter of hey, talent, Are we a, getting picture book, a picture book general, X-Men? has a tendency to gain weight, but at this moment he is still young and slim, still a superb presence. A man who arrives on the battlefield in spotlessly clean linen and never keeps his head down. In the fight, he will be everywhere. And in the end, he will be waiting for Lou Armistead at the top of Cemetery Hill. How about Lou Albino? All that month, there is heat and wild rain. Cherries are ripening all over Pennsylvania, and the men gorge as they march. The civilians have fled, and houses are dark. The armies move north through the heat and the dust. Monday. Jesus. June 29th, 1863. What do you think so far, Shafa? He's bored. I am falling asleep, literally. Um, You just just want want action instead of like character? You don't like characters? Well, no, this is just literally exactly my experience every time I try and watch Ken Burns' (laughs) Civil War. I know, me too. It's like... There's this guy. Exactly. I mean, It's it's, important to know who the people are before we start, or maybe not. Maybe is, is it not better just to like learn who they are based on their actions? I mean, you know, the more we learn about people, usually the less we like In their fairness, actions. you hate people on the onset of them being a person. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, you know, that's big strike one to start with. Um, but, I mean, you know, just in general, like, especially people that have done good things, like, the more we look into them, there is going to be something we don't like about them. And so, you know, if you have these sort of, I don't want to necessarily say heroes, but, like, things that you kind of hold up, like the the soldiers in, in this war were, you know, uh, yeah, heroes, I guess. Like, yeah, when yeah, you start, sure. you know, thinking about them as actual people, they are all, I'm sure, flawed individuals. And so, you know, much like the, uh, the forefathers owning slaves, it sort of uh, starts to taint your view of them. There were seven forefathers, though. Uh, it was not four. Well, plus eight. There were four. There weren't four fathers. There were seven fathers. Mm. Of the apocalypse? Well, seven brides for seven brothers. Jesus. I think you'll But like, how many were going to St. Ives? Uh, just one. Oh. Monday, June 29th, 1863. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Boner tried to get us to skip it, but I think he was worried about the Kindle being like just spazzing out mm. and just being like, I don't know where to go. So it's like, oh, I don't know. I like out. the cast of characters. I okay, just, yeah, I'm done. There's so many amazing parts of this book that I just feel like you're. Yeah, okay. I'll buy it right now. I'll buy this fucking book right now. You should. On this candle it's, it's legitimately an amazing book. I know. I really want to read it. Actually, I'm in the middle of two books. One of which being Infinite Jest, the other of which being It. So I. You'll read this very quick. You'll read this quickly. This reads. Fast. It feels. Yeah, it does. Move it's quickly. very. Fu- it's I like. Very I'm enjoying this. So are, is this just the uh, like the um, what the preview that you're reading? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Monday, June 29th, 1863. <sighs> A red letter day in history. Mine eyes have seen okay, the glory. It just says glory, but what's next, Sean? Come. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> One. It was of, by the way. Kind of. Of come. I always forget. Oh. Mine eyes have seen the glory of, of the, come. Of the, <laughs> the glory of come. <laughs> it's like the power of love, but like. <laughs> That's the power of love. <laughs> the, the glory of come. come. Yep. <laughs> and it don't take money. I think yes, it does. There is a glory of love, right? Isn't yes. that? It's uh, Peter Cetera? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. That's uh, from the Karate Kid. Yes, yes. Karate Kid. 
that was I, I bought the soundtrack to Karate Kid too because I thought it meant that oh, it was like God. literally the the dialogue. So like you know you oh, can right. hear the movie rather than like I thought it would be a Classic podcast of fall. the movie. <laughs> I was really disappointed. It was music. Music is stupid. I know that I, honestly that I that really is my favorite fact about you. Yeah, that really is. That I forget all the time. It encapsulates you. It's there is no. I mean, it is so good. Not the Karate Kid, but Karate Kid Two. Easily, arguably the worst Karate Kid. Oh, I'm sure. Not arguably. Yeah. It, factually. No, three <laughs> Empirically. Is, three is, no, four. I mean, the fourth one's pretty, the There's worst. four? Oh, yeah. Well, there, that's the- um, Oh, you mean uh, the modern remake? The no, one, no, no, no. That's, no, that's uh, five. Hillary then. Swank was four. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. uh, Little Smith was five. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I was not aware of all Well, three, five, five was technically a read. If you battle boot? between two and three, it's tough. Like, I like, th- I like three, three because you get the old sensei back yeah. again and you have a weird, you know, three is pretty okay. Two is. I, I watched them recently. Different. Yeah. Two just has this, like, really lowness to it. There's just like, I want to watch all the Karate Kids about all of them. Not, I'm going to watch all the no, Karate Kids. Don't tomorrow. do that. What I'm going to do first is read <laughs> one. There are worse things you can do with your life. The spy. He rode into the dark of the woods and dismounted. Oh yeah. He crawled upward on his belly over the cool rock over cool rocks out into the sunlight, and suddenly he was in the open and he could see for miles. And there was a whole vast army below him, filling the valley like a smoking river. It came out of the blue rainstorm in the east and overflowed the narrow valley road coiling along the stream, narrowing and choking at a white bridge, fading out into the yellowish dust of June, but still visible on the farther road beyond the blue hills, spiked with flags and... Guidons? What's that? That's what a that? racist term for Italian Oh, wait, I can, do, I can do a fun... No, I can do a Kindle. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. A, a, pennant, Cheater. a pennant that narrows to a point or fork at the free end, especially one used at the standard of a light cavalry regiment. Th- origin mid 16th century from the French from and I can do full definition but I'm not going to that didn't help at all what do you mean it didn't help this flag the holders it's like Jesus little yeah, yeah let's say that uh like Guidons. A, like he a, did Guidons. yeah <laughs> racist like a cheap chopped uh like a great <laughs> sorry like a great chopped bristly snake the snake ending headless in a blue wall of summer rain the spy tucked himself behind a boulder and began counting flags. Must be 20,000 men, visible all at once. Two whole Union Corps. He could make out the familiar black hats of the Iron Brigade, troops belonging to John Reynolds' First Corps. He looked at his watch, noted the time. They were coming very fast. The Army of the Potomac had never moved this fast. The day was murderously hot. And there was no wind, and the dust hung above the army like a yellow veil. He thought, there'll be some, the, uh, there'll be some of them die of the heat today. But they are coming faster than they ever came before. He slipped back down into the cool dark and rode slowly downhill toward the silent, empty country to the north. With luck, he could make the southern line before nightfall. After nightfall, it would be dangerous. But he must not seem to hurry. The horse was already tired. And yet, there was the pressure of the great blue army behind him, building like water behind a cracking dam. He rode out into the open, into the land between the armies. There were fat Dutch barns, prim German orchards. But there were no cattle in the fields and no horses, and houses everywhere were empty and dark. He was alone in the heat and the silence, and then it began to rain and he rode head down with the monstrous lightning. All his life, he had been afraid of lightning, but he kept riding. He did not know where the southern headquarters was, but he knew it had to be somewhere near Chambersburg. He had smelled out the shape of Lee's army and all the rumors and bar talk and newspapers and hysteria he had drifted through all over over eastern Pennsylvania, and on that day, he was perhaps the only man alive who knew the position of both armies. He carried the knowledge with a hot, and lovely pride. Lee would never be Lee would be near Chambersburg, and wherever Lee was, Longstreet would not be far away. So finding the headquarters was not the problem. The problem was riding through a picket line in the dark. The rain grew worse. 
He could not even move in under a tree because of the lightning. He had to take care not to get lost. He rode, quoting Shakespeare from memory, thinking of the picket line ahead somewhere in the dark. The sky opened and poured down on him, and he rode on. It will be rain tonight. Let it come down. Any guesses? Whether or not it rains? It will be rain tonight. Let it come down. Oh, what, what, what that's from? Mm-hmm. Macbeth. That was a speech of murderers. He had been an actor once. He had no stature and a small voice, and there were no big parts for him until the war came. And now, he was the only one who knew how good he was. If only they could see him work. Old, cold, long street and the rest. But everyone hated spies. I come a single spy, wet single spy, but they come and hold battalions. The rain began to ease off and spurred the horse to a trot. My kingdom for a horse! Any guesses? Oh, that's like... Uh, the other thing. Yeah, that's like Richard the... Eighth. First. Third shit. <laughs> Jolly good line. <laughs> he went on reciting Henry V aloud. Once more into the breach. Henry V. <laughs> so, it will be rain tonight. Let it come down. Wait, what's what's more into the breach? What is that? Once more into the breach is Henry V. Oh, wow. You got that right? It says it, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he went on reciting Henry V. Once more into attention. the breach. <laughs> well, all right. What are, the, what are the two words right after that? Once, once more into the breach. My friends? Close. Very close. My comrades. Dear friends. Mm. Dear Same difference. Um, I was it, reading the King James. It version. will be rain tonight. Let it come down. I, I feel like that's from King Lear. Sounds like Phil Collins. But, yeah, but I was your guess of exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is Phil Collins. It's Phil Collins. Um, <laughs> down on me. Yeah. Um, I don't. I. It might be Macbeth, but I feel like it's. I. It's. It sounds like Lear, but it might be Macbeth. You might be right. It was a. That was a speech of murderers. Is the thing that. Clues me in. I don't know. All speech is the speech of murderers. If if somebody wants to look it up, that would be that would be one. Meh. No thanks. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do your own googling at home. I hate, I hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Late that afternoon, he came to a crossroads, and the sign of much cavalry having passed this. Is that way, way he sells the sword of the devil for a guitar. His own way led north to Chambersburg. But he knew that Longstreet would have to know who these people were so close to the line. So close to his line. He debated a moment at the crossroads, knowing there was no time. A delay would cost him in daylight, yet he was a man of pride and the tracks drew him. Perhaps it was only Jeb Stewart. <laughs> the spy thought, hopefully, wistfully, if it's Stewart. You've ruined Jeb Stewart can, for me now. I, I hope can, you know that. I can ask for an armed escort all the way home. He turned and followed the track. After a while, he saw a farmhouse and a man standing out in a field. You know, it's so, let's pause there. <laughs> I hate when people ruin things. <laughs> you ruin everything. <laughs> I try not to. I'm just kidding. I know. It, but it's, it's so funny when like someone makes a reference to a song or like just sings a song in a very particular way. Yeah. Or just makes a reference to a thing that you like that you have a very emotional connection to. And then someone just does something just because it's funny at the moment. And then they ruin it for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. One thing that really this bothers me. This is my existence. Me, that is your existence. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe that's why we tune you out so much. <laughs> yeah. That's probably why. Sorry, go ahead. Nailed it. Bonnery. Oh, I hate when people fuck up the lyrics for a famous song. And, and then, then you can't I get it for the sing the bad life. lyrics. Yeah. I know. God damn it. Is that why you hate Weird Al? Excuse me while I kiss Ooh. this guy. Wow. Yeah. No, I can't say. It. I love Weird Al. How yeah. dare I say that? <laughs> you will get banned from the podcast studios, that's for sure. Where was I? Uh, he turned and followed the tracks. Oh, After a while, hell. he saw a farmhouse and a man standing in a field in a peach orchard, and he spurred that way. The man was small and bald with huge round arms and spoke very bad English. The spy went into his act. A simple-minded farmer seeking a runaway wife, terrified of soldiers. Why has the farmer got to be simple-minded? The bald man regarded him sweatily, disgustedly, told him the soldiers just gone by were plu soldiers. What now? Yankees. Plu? Blue? Plu. P-L-U, quote. Plu, plu. Plu soldiers. It's probably, yeah, it's probably, probably blue. means blue, right? Yeah, I'd imagine. The spy asked, what town lies yonder? And the farmer told him, Gettysburg. 
what yonder wind does break. But the name meant nothing. The spy turned. I like that, actually. That's cool. The spy asked, what town lies yonder? And the farmer told him, Gettysburg. But the name meant nothing. Mm-hmm. I like that. Shafa, do you like that? Yeah. It's an interesting story. Gettysburg is meaningless. Like, they fought over a town that was, you know, just... Yeah, it's just where literally that's just nothing, where they but everybody, to be, right? everybody just right. happened to converge. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. fuck it! It's like yeah. literally just <laughs> the two most powerful armies in the Antifa. world. Antifa! This guy, this guy. Yep. Ruins my birthday, I'll tell you. <laughs> Go ahead, what were you going to say? Um, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, I think the, we always forget that Lee invaded twice, right? He invaded once and lost in Antietam and, and had to go back. And now he's invading Pennsylvania and Maryland. I think people forget that when they fought the War of Northern Aggression that we're always invading. You know, you know, if Lee didn't had his way, he would have probably burned Philadelphia. So Sweet. No, not cool. <laughs> not key. Wait, so how did the Civil War start? What do you mean? Fort Sumter or, or sure. slavery? The or Boston? What, no, no, the Constitution. No, no. I, I mean, how far the first, no, that's the first shot fired. Uh, Fort Sumter is okay. what they say. Uh, is that the shot heard around the world? No, that's revolutionary. Oh, goddammit. Again, twice. All right. The first big battle was Bull Run or Manassas. Yeah. So that was really But no, Sumter. Battle. Tell me about Sumter. Well, Sumter, no one died. Uh, Fort Sumter was off the coast of Charleston. And, uh, South Carolina? Yeah. So there was like a garrison of Union soldiers and basically all Mr. the- Garrison? Everyone in South Carolina said, you know, we're going to surround the fort. And they fired some cannon. What was the fort? fort? The fort was a was an American fort, yeah, American basically? Army so, fort, just okay. defending the coast of South Carolina. Got it. From the British, theoretically. From everyone. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, but they're right, British. They're okay. probably our big enemy, I guess. We're f- maybe French. No, no, British, yeah. Yeah, Whoever I mean, nobody at the time. Yeah, pirates. Never the, sure. Yeah, sure. Anybody, it was just, okay. So, and then the, a bunch of Southerners surrounded it. And then what happened? They fired on it. So uh, who fired first? Uh, the, the Confederates. Why? Well, uh, the entire Slavery. cause. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank James Buchanan. I have this whole book over here, the, the worst president ever. Austere, severe. He held this country dear. <laughs> okay, cool. So, that's, so Fort Sumter is... So that's why they call it the War of Northern Aggression, though? That's well, they call it the right? War of Northern Aggression because the U.S., the Union invaded the South. It, when? Well, like Manassas? 20 million times. But Manassas, yeah. They, anytime they go down from Washington into Virginia, which is like a million times, they're invading the, tactically the South. So but, that's, that is what started. But also, don't forget, there's the whole Western theater, right? So they, there's a whole other Union I army invading Tennessee, okay. uh, which is, again, the South. Tennessee, okay. Tennessee is the border state. So the North was the North was invading Tennessee, and also you know a little bit of, yeah, and Mississippi, and Were, was, so was the North invading Aurora completely? Well, the whole don't forget time? the U- Union also blockaded the entire Confederacy with their navy the, so, okay. in the first few months. So to clarify, sorry, just, the, no, no, it's fine. The the let's just break down the Civil War in like the best possible, <laughs> the easiest possible terms, like slavery can, from the beginning. Sure, Jesus we've got slavery Christ. that, but basically, so like, but slavery just was a thing, and the North hadn't. Abolished it yet. It was just that. Yes. Now this was obviously going, probably going, it was tending to happen. Um, mostly it was trending because, toward it. Yeah. So there was two things. The Missouri Compromise, which was the big one, which was basically Missouri said. Why are you so concerned with how a civil war starts? Uh-oh. That's cute. Be- because I, I honestly, every time I either watch the civil war or think about the civil war or yeah. talk about the civil war, I honestly don't know anything yeah. about it yeah i know all the buzzwords and i know all the important things but oh. i really don't know the narrative i just don't know the narrative of it and i've watched the civil war i've watched the first episode of the civil war so many fucking times <laughs> i still don't understand it it doesn't do a great job i would say the first episode is okay it doesn't do a great job of really getting to the heart of the backstory okay um, how would you explain it then well one <sighs> slavery is always the issue right, sure. right and yeah. it happens to be that you know as we're further expanding west states have to decide whether they're slavery or free and right, okay, the expansion west is the so there's thing. always that tension, and there literally breaks out into fighting and deaths in Kansas, Nebraska, and Missouri. So there's already even before the Civil War starts, there's already these unrest between specifically states who want to be free or slave. Okay. Then there's also the Dred Scott decision, which was the dreaded Scott, which is so there's a, like oh, the things we're pointing to all these specific things: John Brown, the Dred Scott decision, the Missouri Compromise. What's John Brown? Dred Scott? <laughs> But my point is, these are all little tiny points on a line, and the line is just all leading to abolition in the North. And the election of 
Lincoln was that final straw that broke the camel's back, that the South finally saw, wow, we're, we really are going to have to be turning into an abolitionist. Militant. Yeah. Okay. They can either fight or they can become abolitionists. And they decided to secede. That's about it. Okay. Um, so when they seceded, they, they seceded, the South in general just were like, you know what? Fuck it. We're our own country. There was no like- Yeah, it was, was interesting no... about this because, you know, you always talk about states' rights, but immediately they became a confederation of right. southern yeah, states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were like, no, we want our own federal government, but, you know, of a different country together. Like, states' rights, sure, but, like, we want- Yeah, it was very similar to the United States Constitution, honestly, except for, obviously, slavery. Like, the Confederate Constitution. I mean, they had a president, you know, they had a Senate, they had all this stuff. You know, How much what? different from Catalonia or Kazakhstan? <laughs> or Stop doing that. You're Sorry? making really salient points. I don't like it. <laughs> so, when, so, okay, so now- so once they seceded, they're their own country. Theoretically, there's no problem well, with that. Well, uh, Lincoln wouldn't consider that. Lincoln right, would say, exactly. you're just they're an like, open you rebellion. Guys, you guys are just you're an still open Americans. rebellion. You're still Americans. Fuck you, assholes. You are still ours. Yeah. And he was quelling you'll the rebellion. You'll be back. <laughs> Soon you'll see. You'll remember you belong to me. So why so we were English. We were the British then in this. We were we, so in the Revolutionary War context, we were the British. The Union Army were, were the British who were like, hey, you can't go. Yep. Now you just can't leave. And we won that one as well. Yeah, we won. So we we both won. So America both won both the rebellion and the fight against the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As is <laughs> As it goes with all people, you rebel and then you become what they rebel against. If the South had won, do you think they would have maintained their borders and allowed America to thrive? Or do you think they would have, I guess in those times it would have been, they would have had to have invaded the North and like taken Washington, D.C. And then they just would own the North as well. That probably wouldn't have come to that uh so they think you think they would have formed their own they would have yeah country. They, they would have probably formed a treaty and said let's just have independence and lincoln would have been forced because that's all they wanted anyway yeah but the north was like no fuck you you're ours yeah i mean to be honest the reason why lee did invade the north was not necessarily to say i want to take over pennsylvania it was to sue for peace it was to force the also the the army that was invading virginia to come north because to sue for peace that's just a phrase uh to to, to it's for- like a boy named sue gotcha um, but I guess what also the, they didn't want the invasion in Virginia anymore because the land, the farmland was being fucked over, right? The, you know, they were destroying railways and everything, blah, blah, blah. So just to get the army out of Virginia, they're like, let's go North. You know, at least the worst that can happen is, you know, at least we'll live off their land. We'll steal their slaves. We'll fuck over their people. And, you know, the worst that happens is we lose a battle there. The same thing as losing a battle here in Virginia. Crazy. So, okay. By the way, Lee wanted to resign. Fight the terrorists uh, over there instead of over here. Uh, as soon as Gettysburg was over, as soon as he lost, and uh, spoilers, <laughs> and and um, Jefferson Davis refused. He wouldn't let him, and it was interesting because Lee wanted to resign like all the time. He really <laughs> was not. He, he he was not really into it. He wanted to go back home, um, but he realized this is his duty. He was such a fucking obsessive. He was almost like Ned Stark of slavery. <laughs> he was just obsessed with honor and duty. He had to do it. it was- Ned Stark. Sorry. I, yeah. So when That's you said TV. Ned Stark, the first thing that came to mind was Stark's Pond in South Park, and I was thinking of Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Ned, Uncle Ned, and I was like, "Oh, Ned Stark." Hey boys, how you doing? He fights. I don't yeah. know. No, that's oh, no, that's Ned. Ned. Yeah, Ned's oh. I don't know if he's an box. uncle, but he's Uncle Jimbo's buddy. Yeah, Jimbo, Uncle Jimbo, yeah. Ned's butt. Got it. There it is. See, it's a triple threat. <laughs> it's like wrong in four different ways. Yep. <laughs> you couldn't be more wronger if you tried. I could. Just let me try. Oh my god! Continue, Joey. I don't know. I'm curious as to why you're always bored or you can't quite. I'm not bored. No, no, no. About oh, why I can't retain it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. What's the deal? Maybe because honestly, (laughs) it's never been told to me like in a in a narrative way that is easy to understand. Need you to tell him a story. Kind of. Well, but that's it. I need an emotional connection to it. That's literally (laughs) human nature. You know what I mean? If I was like, if I just listed off a bunch of facts, like who the fuck knows when the war of 1812 was fought? You know what I mean? Oh, that's why history class was always bullshit. And like why people that actually study history have like a deeper understanding and a deeper respect for it. Because I think you're right. It's a story, man. His story. Yeah. Yeah, I think they need to tell, they need to give history classes more kind of like this book. Where it's just a cast of characters and all of the perspectives, and these characters are fascinating, and they all have relationships yeah. with each other. And you see that, like I said, with with Hancock and Armistead, which is really like this, you know, bro bromance of the book. Yeah, which is crazy, but you know, that's the story of Gettysburg. Is is, is the Killer Angels? Is yeah, it's 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 obviously the history is a background, but 
when you start telling it as these crazy cast of characters, I think it's way more interesting. That's one of the reasons why I love the book. It can be. I mean, I, I think part of it is that the narrative of war eludes me in general because I don't really know. What's the pun? General. Bad. God damn it. Yes, there it is. There it is. Sorry. <laughs> well, why? Why does it elude you? I, I guess I just don't understand the objective. Like the end of, I, 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 well, I don't know. I don't know. You do understand it. Maybe you just don't. I just don't know how to how to how to turn it into a narrative. I guess that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like there, like one battle follows another battle follows another battle. The man right? went here and they fought. The man went there and they fought. I, I that's guess there's maps. Doing. That's why there are maps, yeah. and so you look at that stuff. But yeah, I mean, in so the end, I think it, that's it's probably like, part uh, of it. Watching uh, Game of Thrones, you need the map. You gotta like kind of plot the thing. Even that, I don't. You know, the entire oh, beginning. Yeah. I think I was watching Game Too of Thrones, where, and Kelly's like, "Oh, and she's like very riveted by the beginning of the map, mm. and she's great with history." Yeah. But I'm just like, I, you know, yeah. she's like, "Aren't you?" She's like, "Oh, look, the map changed." I'm like, "Wait, what? What do you mean?" She's like. <laughs> <laughs> the whole beginning sequence, it's like the map, it's showing you where everything is. I'm like, it is? And she's like, yeah, aren't you watching? And I'm like, no, we're just like zooming around a map. I don't know. <laughs> like the fucking, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I may, I just, maybe I just, I don't have any emotional connection to it. It's just so, I don't know. How, okay. I also want to recommend the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary that's out right now. Yeah. I yeah. watched the first two episodes. Um, very good. Seriously. It's some, it's like his best since the Civil War, I think. Um, it's also much better with 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 this than with the narratives. Whereas with the Civil War, he kind of forgot a few narratives, and it was you know a little weird. But in this one, he talks. He gives a lot of Vietnamese people their their say, and it's oh. it's very interesting. Hmm. And there's a lot more footage, obviously, because from the '60s. So I really recommend that. And I think and I also want to bring up this whole interesting point about the history, the historian community, the academic community. There's a whole section of them that hate Ken Burns, that despise him, that think he's just kind of. He's like, yeah, it makes sense. But they're also a little bit jealous. He's like, that's yeah, the truth. yeah, of course. Yeah. They're like, the sellout, or yeah, exactly yeah. the sellout, and the fucking the Hollywood. The, they're punk historians. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And the, and the thing is, his, the historian community is all internal. Like they write journals and articles for themselves. Oh yeah, of so, course. So when the idea of someone kind of like selling out and selling it to the mm, mainstream, the masses, yeah, you know, honestly, they get bitchy about this, but I think. It's wonderful. I think it's yeah, it, that's, that's what how they're this, supposed to be doing. Exactly. Like. If you're just talking to yourself over and over again, what the fuck? What's the Why point? is history important? Why is it important to know history at all? <sighs> Those who do not do learn the lessons <laughs> of history are doomed but, to repeat. Yeah, it. but that's all people. <laughs> that's everybody though. Like we you know, it, that is people. People do not know their history and thus yeah. they're going they are doomed to, to repeat it. Right. And that's just the, the nature of the beast. Right, but the idea is to try and break that cycle. That is the idea of a library. That is the idea of learned Alexandria. Men. That the, yeah, that is the you know, trying to Athens, accumulate Vienna, enough. Unreal. Well, you know, people get mad when you got enough uh, uh, intelligence in one place or enough information in one place, you know, that a lot of people don't want the world to change. So those become targets. Um, but that is that is something that is increasingly um, becoming, well, I was going to say scarce, but then I remember uh, hearing a, a report recently that libraries are being used more so than they have been in the past. So, like, there has been a recent uptick um, in the last, like, five years or so. It's because of this podcast. Yeah. I'm a member of two libraries. I thought you... Are you... Yep, he's grabbing his keys. Yeah, are you lying the, to one of the libraries? No, yeah, there's, the, there's, there's the, the LA County, one. which is, like, West Hollywood, or, like, okay. the bigger, you it know... It has a rainbow stick. LA County. <laughs> oh, wow, it does. That's fun. Everything West Hollywood. The LA County rainbow. libraries. Mm. Um, and then there is the actual Los Angeles Public Library, the city. Uh, wow, that's a horrible design. Yeah, that's pretty ugly. God, LA's stupid. Yeah, but this is like the cool one downtown. Like, this is for the awesome one yeah, downtown. Yeah, look, it's so modern. But also, if you have a library card, you can access the entire Criterion Collection Ooh. on your computer, yeah, like on thing. online for free. Oh, you can stream it. Like, yeah, you can your... stream the wow. entire yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's actually like, really cool. Like Chimes of Midnight, you yeah. can stream that shit. It's crazy. Yeah, I've heard that there's a, <laughs> a lot available now, which is like actually kind of being fought. But the, I guess the way that they run it is like the same as they used to run it with the DVDs. So they like literally have a certain number of these digital copies that you then check out when you watch. I have, so it, yeah. When's the last time you were in a library, Sean Fa? Um... I think I shot something in a library like uh, a few count. years ago. But yeah, yeah. No, I mean- Voluntarily. Like, yeah. Too soon. Voluntarily, never. <laughs> um, 
Do they still the, have the newspapers with the bamboo sticks? That's got to all be digital now. <laughs> I really want to see that. Oh, I remember liking to go to the library in like third grade because they had Oregon Trail and the apples oh, down there. Yeah. But Verdict. They do have the newspapers on the huge stick. Oh, my God. Yeah, they really do. Can you bring me one or can you steal one and bring it to me? Sure. It'll be the greatest birthday present I've ever had. (laughs) I'm tempted to. It sounds kind of fun. I know. How are you going to walk out of there with that thing? (sighs) Um, To be honest with you, I'd probably ask if I can have one and explain why. (laughs) And then they'll say no, of course. Yeah, they'll say no. But... I'll, so I'll say, okay, then if I'm forced to steal it, you take it to a Walmart. <laughs> I can't, I can't beat that. That's good. <laughs> I can't beat that. Thank you for listening to another episode of Literally Literary. Remember to follow us at Paula Tinkering on the Twitters there. You can also follow Joe at, uh, at, at Joe Bonnier. At, at Joe Bonnier. Dot org. Is it Joe Joe Bonier, right? J-O-E-B-O-N-I-E-R. All right, and the Twitter's there. You can also follow Sean at- Did you uh, say Joe I am? Like, will I am? I did not. You can also follow Sean (laughs) wherever he goes. Um, Do not follow me. uh, You can also check out our other shows on Fawcast.com. Paul Tinkering, Text Before Calling. Going down on South Park. South Park, Wild Wild Westworld, whenever it comes back. Um, uh, Subscribe. to our page. Yes, thank you. Subscribe. To us and rate us. Uh, rate Tell a review. A Tell a friend. Um, Tell your enemies. Yeah. We're going to eat. I'm hungry. Thank you. I thank love you for listening. I love happy your faces. Bir- happy birthday, Joey. Oh, um, thank you. I love your faces, too. <laughs>